Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. One wonders why why uh, such suffering would be allowed. Um, and uh, in moments like this, all we can do is look at the cross and look at what Christ suffered on our behalf so that we, if we are taken home, that we have a home to go to. So that when we turn up, whenever that moment is, at heaven's gates, that Jesus himself will be there, having made a way for us to say, welcome home. I've been waiting for you. I've got a place I've been building for you. I had the plans in my mind, the beginning of the world. Welcome home, good and faithful servant. That's the whole reason why Jesus died on the cross, so he could do that. You know, we, we look at this earth, we look at this universe, we look at this place as our final home. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we try and build our lives with some sort of permanence, which is not bad. But when we really, really think about it, we are so temporary. We are so temporary. We're so fragile. We're fragile to the point where someone else can take our lives against our own will. But there is a God who is fighting for us, who has made a way for us. Even though we are weak, He is strong. Amen. 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 Well, I want to uh, spend a few minutes, not long, just preaching about if, well, this is my question. If you were God, okay, just come with me on this, and, um, and no one believed you, uh, what would you do to prove that you're God? Right? Like, you could do anything. You're God. Uh, there's a few things that God can't do. Um, he can't lie, because whatever He says comes into being. So even if He was to tell a lie, it would happen. Understand? Okay, He can't sin. Uh, but God can do pretty much anything He wants. Now here comes Jesus, okay? The story of Jesus, the narrative of Jesus. He, he told people that He was God, but they didn't believe Him. Um, and they took it at great offense that here's this man walking around with this huge following saying that he was God. How dare he? If you were in that situation, what would you do? What would you do? Would you, would you show yourself as divine? You know, he did that and yet... The people, the very people that he showed himself as divine to ran away at the cross in disbelief. They, they still didn't believe. Would you heal some people? You know, Jesus healed some people. <laughs> he healed a lot of people. He even, he even prayed for Lazarus, who was dead. 
and Lazarus rose again. But where was Lazarus when Jesus was crucified? Where were the sick when Jesus was crucified? Was it not enough that he could heal people? Was it not enough that he could see into people's hearts and tell them what they were thinking? He did that too. He looked into people's hearts and he told them what they were thinking and it freaked them out as it would. Yet they still didn't believe. Yet they still crucified him. What would you do to prove you were God if you were? It's interesting because what Jesus does and what we celebrate on Easter is the act that Jesus did. It's an act of obedience to his Father and it has a purpose behind it. But in, a, in accomplishing his purpose, he was proving that he was God. You know, the one thing that us humans can't mess with is death. I mean, uh, I mean we, were, we have been trying for millennia to at least add years to our lives. Billions of dollars of research have gone into this. Because death is that one thing that no matter who you are, no matter what you've got, no matter, no matter, it does not matter, that the trapdoors of death are slowly closing on us all. And we don't know what's on the other side of that. We have theories, we have philosophies, we have some big maybes, but we don't know really what's on the other side of that. But here's this story of Jesus, this historical record written in the lifetime of the, the people who witnessed it. First time you'll ever see this in any historical account given on any person who was a prophet, philosopher, king. None of those stories were ever written in the lifetimes of those people. If you look at the writings of Plato or you look at the writings of these, these different philosophers and different prophets and stuff that's been written, a lot of that stuff wasn't written down for, for generations. But here you have these four books that are a part of the Bible that bring the whole Bible together. And these four books in the Bible are the record of the death and resurrection of this person called Jesus. Now, if he just died... I say we would probably still have the literature of Jesus because what he taught, we would still have the Sermon on the Mount. We would still have the, uh, the teachings and the healings that he did. But his resurrection, well, that's a whole other thing because he conquered death. He conquered death. But, you know, this wasn't just about Jesus proving that he was God. It wasn't. Because, I mean, if you're God, who cares who you need to prove it to? You don't need to prove yourself if you're God. If you're God, you're God. You know, you know in, in the time of offering and tithe message that Rachel brought up, she said, you know, God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need us at all. <laughs> He's God. But He chose us because He loves us so there was a purpose in what Jesus was going through. There was a purpose and there was a reason why Jesus died and rose again. Jesus was proving that he was God. But he was doing it with a reason. Can I read you a scripture 
in verse 17 of John, chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, it says, this is Jesus just before he went to the cross. He says, his father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. You have granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I don't know if you noticed, he says glory five times in a matter of a few sentences. Keeps on talking about this glory. That word, when you look at that word, when Christ speaks of his actions bringing God glory, he means that the beauty and majesty of God's nature has been revealed in what he has done. See, when, when the Father, God, exalts Jesus in the resurrection, that act will display the majesty and the beauty of this God. See, see God didn't just want to prove that he was God. To you and I, but he wanted to prove his nature. He wanted to prove who he is really, who he, what he is really about. He wanted to prove that he is a loving God. I don't know what your idea of God, but this act of Easter, this this act of the resurrection and de- the death and resurrection of Christ proves that this is a kind, loving God. A personal God whom we can actually put our hope in and whom we can actually trust as one who has our best interests at heart. And your best interest is eternal life. He brought glory to God and God glorified him because in this one moment, God not only proved that he was king over death, which is a massive claim. But he proved that he's good. You know, a lot of people approach God with fear. A lot of people approach God with, with I don't know if God can hear me. And a lot of people approach God with, I, don't, I, I, I know what I've done. I know what I've done. I haven't done enough for him. And, and we have that question, uh, particularly when, when things go wrong, that question in the back of our minds, maybe I've done something to deserve this. I don't know if you've ever sat down to pray or kneeled on your, on your, got on down on your knees to pray and, and you've, you've had that thought run through your mind, God can't hear you. You're not worthy. I've had that. I don't know if you have. But this act that Jesus did proves that if he was willing to sacrifice his own life for you and I, that he is willing to hear your prayer. If he went through all of this that he went through, he was beaten, he was marred, he was spat upon. The flesh was torn from his back, the the hair was pulled out of his head, a crown of thorns was put upon his head. He suffered so much for you and I. He went through the rite of passage that there was a rite of passage at that time for the worst punishment, for the reserve for the worst of the worst. He went through it. Would have been easier if he, like Vandana said, he was just shot or if he was just kind of, you know, the Japanese way of just cutting off the head. But, but he, he went through so much because if he didn't, it wouldn't be complete. They wouldn't have 
That's how they did it. He had, to, he had to submit himself to all of that. For what? Because he loves you and I. Because he's a good God. He's a good God. He's a good God. And what exactly was it that he was paying for? I mean, why did he have to die? Why did he have to... Why couldn't he just strike down all of those who were opposing him? Why couldn't he just strike down all of those who were, who were, who were like, you know, accusing him? Why couldn't he take his hand from the cross and step down off the cross and bring down thunder and, and on, all of the baddie, on all of the baddies? <laughs> why, why couldn't he do that? Because if he, hadn't have, if he had have done that, the sin of the world wouldn't have been paid for. You know what death is? You know what death is? Death is a result of sin. Have you ever wondered why it is that us humans don't want to die? It's because we weren't meant to. It wasn't, it's not a part of us. It's something that was introduced, it was introduced into the world by a very, very smart being called the, called Satan, called the devil. I'm not going to go into explain that more, but this Jesus, because he was God, alive in the flesh, And because he was a spotless, unblemished, and sinless lamb. Lamb, I mean rhetorically. He wasn't actually a lamb. But he was a sacrifice for the sins of the world. And the only way, the only way that God's wrath would be satisfied was that a human body needed to take upon itself the sins of the world. And the only person that could live through that was God. The only person that could live through that was God. The only person that could take that upon himself was Jesus. That's why he had to, if he did it, if he did anything else, it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have been enough. We may have known that he was God, but he would have remained separate. He would have remained aloof. He would have remained distant as this being that can do some sort of magic but has nothing to do with us. But this moment was the moment where hearts connected, human hearts and God's heart, God's heart reconnected. This was the one act. You know, we look at, we look at uh, human heroes, right? I don't know if you've ever come across a, a person or you've read, you've read about or seen a person on the news who ran into the, you know, into the building that was on fire and rescued that one little girl. We, 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 we say that person was a hero. <laughs> that person was a hero. But we, we overlook all of the other stuff. If you were really to get to know that person, you'll probably find, well, he, you know, he, was, he was not looking after his children. He was neglecting them and... He was down the pub all the time or whatever. And we, we say, oh, that guy was a hero. That guy was a hero. But we, we, we point to human heroes, overlook all of the negative stuff and just look at that one act that they did. See, the thing about Jesus is he didn't sin. He walked this life. He did not sin. That in itself is a miracle. I mean, I don't know if you've tried not to sin. Have you? I have. Anybody here tried not to sin and then realize that it's a zero-sum game? He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't sin. 
So he was worthy before God. See, the reason when we get into the court of heaven, okay, when we get to the court of heaven, where we have this forerunner called Christ who's gone before us, this is pretty much what's going to happen. Uh, there's going to be a big projector screen. <laughs> and your life, everything you've done, good and bad, is going to replay to all those who are watching. Sounds fun, doesn't it? Exciting. And based on everything you're done, you've done, God is, going to, God is going to make a judgment as to whether or not you're worthy to enter in to the heavenly abode. But there is a sinless, spotless lamb that as the hammer comes down and God makes his judgment, says, no, 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 I, 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 paid, I paid for that. I paid for that. I purchased his freedom. I purchased her freedom. Her past, his past speaks nothing of their future because I paid for it all. You know what sin earns us? And the fact is we have a problem with sin. It earns us death. Sin is a derivative or death is a derivative of sin. Death is a derivative of sin. But there is one who came took our sin upon himself as a sinless, spotless lamb. And it satisfied the wrath of God and changed history forever for every human being who believes and puts their trust in him. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 to 21 says this. It says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of this world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead, and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. This moment where Jesus rose again um, changes everything. And you know, he, after this moment when he rose again, there's another scripture. Uh, I want to read it to you. It's in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 to 8. It says, For what I received, I passed on to you as, as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day, according to Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve, the twelve disciples. Um, after that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, and I want, you to, I want you to hear this. This was written, you know, at the time that was written, uh, Paul, who was writing this letter to the Corinthians, who, was, who were, were a church in a place called Corinth, he says, most of whom are still living. Now, it means something. So here's Paul saying, he's writing to a church outside somewhere, and he's saying, you know, he first appeared to Peter, then he appeared to the twelve, and then he appeared to another 500 people whom are still living. In other words, you can go check with them if you think I'm telling a lie. <laughs> what other record is there of God that has as much proof as this? I haven't found it yet. I challenge you to find it. 
You won't. Though some have fallen asleep, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. And I don't know if you know of Paul's story, but Jesus uh, stopped him in his tracks. So what do we do with this? Here's the thing about Jesus. You can't preach about Jesus without coming to a point. You can't think about Jesus. You can't talk about Jesus. And um, with all of the things that you think you know, with all the belief systems that you may have, there will come a point with Christ where you will trip over him and he will hurt your toe. And you'll find yourself lying on the floor going, I don't know what I believe. Uh, the Bible talks about the gospel, what I've just shared with you. This is the gospel. Jesus dying for our sins so that we can have eternal life in Him. That is the gospel. When you hear that word gospel, that's what I'm talking about. You can't talk about the gospel without it being offensive. Not meaningly, not like I'm going to offend you because I'm a nasty you know, Christian or whatever. And, you know, it's, it's not what I'm trying to say. But what I'm trying to say is you cannot talk about Christ without coming to a point where you will be challenged as to whether or not this person was actually God. And I would just encourage you, go with the proof and have an open heart because I'm telling you something. If you allow him, this God who raised Christ from the dead, this Father will begin to speak into your heart. And there's many a times where I've had conversations over the years of planning this church now where God has just begun to speak into people's hearts. It, it may be a, a moment where you're like, what is, what is that feeling? It may not be a voice. It may be just a, something that you know that is pulling you in. And it'll go against everything sometimes that the people have learned and they know traditions, all of that. But can I just tell you something? Jesus didn't come to set up a new institution to draw other people from other institutions. He's, that's not the reason why Jesus came. He didn't come to set up a new religion so that because all the other religions are wrong. It's, it's not what he came to do. He just came to do one thing. Prove that God is real and prove that God is kind, loving and has made a way for you and I. That's all, that's all he came to do. And he said that whosoever shall believe in me shall have eternal life. Whosoever shall believe in their heart confess with their mouth but what you believe will be challenged i mean you can't just give god mouth service oh yes i believe but i'm not telling you about the secret stuff that i really believe and god sees your heart he sees your heart and because he sees your heart it will force you to come to a place to go is this really true is this really real and if it is then what do i need to do and all you need to do is believe. Because everything else has been done. It's almost like God is just waiting for this moment. He's like set up the meal. The table's set. The cutlery's out. The beautiful food laid out on the table. The tali. All the things are put out. And he's waiting for you to come and sit and have communion with Him. 
Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital, where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3 Mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi.